Father, we're grateful, thankful for all that you've done for us, all that you're doing, and all that you're yet going to do in our lives, and we thank you, Lord, for that. We would ask that as we come to this passage of the scriptures that we have before us, that, Lord, you would lead us and guide us, help us to understand. We pray, Lord, that your word would go deep into our heart to watch with us, to help us, to encourage us and strengthen us in all that we need to do and what you want us to be. We're thankful, Lord, for this church. We're thankful for the way that you've shown your mercy to us in so many ways. And we'll give you all the power and all the glory for all of this, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. As many of you know, we've been studying the last few weeks. We've been working in the Bible, obviously, as normally what we do. But we've been going together through a series of things that particularly deal with the Apostle Paul and particularly the things that he learned and taught and God working in his life. And it goes through this passage, which is an interesting one. And for any of our people that are visiting for the first time, this may sound a little strange to you, and that's okay. We are a little strange, but that's all right. But I, won't pick, I think you can pick up some of what's going on because I think it's God's word, and I hope that'll be encouragement for you. And so what we want to do in this passage, we want to be working through the passage that we did from last week and just do a real short thing, just to remember what were we doing last week? We talked about the gospel and how important the gospel was. And so what we had last week when we talked about the Apostle Paul, how in Acts chapter 9 it tells a story that a man named Saul who was there to try to get the Christians and to kill them and put them in jail, that here on the, on the road all of a sudden, a strange thing happened on the way to Damascus. And the horse fell over and the light was there and suddenly here he was and he said, Lord, who are you? And he said, it's me, it's Jesus, what are you doing? And then you're, he said, I'm going to take you to make a difference in the lives of many people. And so what we're working through is a section of this that deals with this. And so what we're looking at this is the fact that here he went through this incredible change in his life. So many things happened to him in such a short time until he became one of the best-known people that we have in that era, in that time, about how God worked. And we talked about before how God takes people who sometimes you think would never do this, and you find out that God works in people's lives in incredible ways and changes things because the gospel, because there's power in the gospel that he's given to us. And so what we have here is the wrong passages right here, as I notice as we look at it. As since this was from last week, and not the one we're supposed to be on. So we're going to see if we can get it. David, if you can try to see if we can get the other passage. And during this time, just talk to your friends for a few minutes. <laughs> and particularly for some of our friends that are here for the first time, we would like to have them be able to participate, and we'll take another moment to do it. So hopefully we're on to track with that when we come up in just a moment. Mm -hmm. Just a whistle, maybe, or hang on for just a moment, if you would. That's where we should be in February 14, I think it says on it. The power of gospel to change lives, the Apostle Paul. That's where we're at. What? That's right. We're good. We're here. 
Okay, so here, let's look at this passage, if you would. Last week, we were looking through this passage. We wanted to look just this tiny little section. The Apostle Paul is such a remarkable man. He went through so many hard things. And notice what he said. He read this little section that we had. It said, for you've heard about my former way in Judaism. Okay, this is the Apostle Paul saying, you realize what it used to be like me. He said, for you heard about my former way in Judaism. He's saying, you know, he said, and I'm using this in a good term. He said, I'm a Jew's Jew. In other words, I have been a person, a man who's followed Judaism for all my life, and this is the way it's always going to be. And he goes, he goes you know what? And that's when I met Jesus on the road, and my life has forever been changed. And so he said in this, we have in this passage in verse 13, he said, For you've heard about my former way in my life in Judaism. I persecuted God's church, and I tried to destroy it. Now stop for a minute and think what it must have felt for Paul to realize what a fool I was. Here this man, I mean, here God wanted to take me and to use me in an empowerful way. And what was I doing? I was trying to kill people, and I was. And I was putting them in jail. And he's thinking, why would God be so merciful to me? Why would he let a person, me, who did so many bad things, saying, that's what grace is all about. And in the mercy that God brings to us, the same way. And so he said, we perse I persecuted God's church to an extreme degree, and I tried to destroy it. And so notice this passage. He said, but when God, who from my birth set me apart, he recognized, he, spent, he mentions this several times, that God in his mercy at one point said, you know that guy? He may be destroying the Christians, but God's going to do a big work in him. And when you see it, you're not going to believe it. He said, who God, who from my birth set me apart, he called me by his grace. He was pleased to reveal his son to me that I could preach him among the, and here's the key word you're going to hear again and again, we've already heard, is the Gentiles. The Gentiles is the ones that are not Jewish people. The Greeks and the Romans and the other people in their culture. And he's saying, that's what my life was. It was all about you know, all of this, about the, you know, what we have. And he says, you know what? He said, God called me to reach out to those Gentiles, the ones that many Jewish people despised, the dirty people, you know, the most people. We don't want anything to do with them. And Paul said, hey, listen, all I know is God has changed my whole worldview, and I'm going to follow him. And so in this passage, that's what we get. It's really important to us. Here he had that experience that was just amazing. And so what happened, Paul said, okay, God had been working in his life. Things had been happening. But he says then, he said, after three years, the Apostle Paul says this, I went up to go to Jerusalem to meet Cephas. Cephas is just another word for Peter, St. Peter. He said, went to get to know Cephas, and I stayed there 13 days. And it's like, why 12 or 14? I don't know. It doesn't matter. But the point is, he's saying, I went up to Jerusalem because, I mean, it's very important. Jerusalem was still the center of Christianity, but also the Christianity, most of it was Judaism. And so what he's saying here is important. He said, I was here for 15 days. He said, but I did not see any other apostles except for James. James was one we know was going to be one of the major people there. He said, I'm going to do that with James, the Lord's brother. And he said, now, notice what he says here. He said, now, I'm not lying what I write to you. God is my witness. And so he's saying, I came up here because I, I want to, you know what I'm doing. 
as I understand the gospel, Paul is saying, that God has called me to not work with the Jewish people. I am Jewish, and I went through all this. I went through all the you know, things that the Jewish people do. I even was a terrific person. They thought I was great until the day that I met Jesus on the road. Up to that point, he was a wonderful guy, and then they hated him. And he said, but you know, I want to tell you what's going on. He said, I'm not lying to you. He said, God is my witness that God is now calling me not to be working so much with my Jewish people, my family, my grandparents. He's called me to be with the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, the Greeks, the Romans, all those people. And so what he does is he tells them right here. He said, then after a little while after, he was gone for a while. He said, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. As you know, Barnabas is one of the great figures in the Bible, in the New Testament, I guess we should say. Barnabas was sort of the guy, you look at him, you think, what's neat about him? But you find out he's a terrific guy. After 14 years, up again in Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus with him. Barnabas, by the way, was from a very Jewish family. His father was um, a Levite and lived in Cyprus. And so his family, his, all his family, generation after generation, were good Jewish people. And Paul said, you know what? But after 14 years, I went to Jerusalem with Barnabas. He took Barnabas, and he says, and I took Titus along. Titus is not a very good Jewish word. It's not. It's like Roman. And so what he's saying here, he's saying, I brought Titus. Well, Titus is not Jewish, is he? No. And he's not trying to become a Jew, is he? No. Uh, are you sure you want to take him up to talk to these important people? And he's saying, yeah, I really do. And they'll say, well, what happens if we go up there to Jerusalem and they say, hey, uh, maybe it'd be better if you didn't let Titus go with you. Wouldn't the people be a lot happier if we just kept it mostly Jewish? And what would happen, of course, is what Paul would say, I'm sorry. God has called me to these people. I love these people. And he says, oh, we're not going to do that. He says, so I'm going to bring you with them. And so notice what he does. This passage is so interesting because you see this man, Barnabas, who's just an incredible person. He has an important role in this whole thing. Uh, for example, turn with me, if you would, to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 is an interesting chapter. We know that in the book of Acts, this is a section where uh, the, the early church is going on and all kinds of things are happening. And we chapter 9, we mentioned just a moment ago. So in chapter 9, that's where Paul's on the Damascus Road and he's off the horse and he can't see and then finally he can see. And what's interesting, I'm going to pick up a little bit of reading right here, chapter 9, down by verse 8, verse 19, the next verse. And it said, Saul, remember his name used to be Saul, and then it later would change, you know, as we remember that. So Saul was with the disciples in Damascus for some days. Immediately, he proclaiming Jesus in the synagogues. So now here's a guy who was a good Jewish guy who's now talking about this, about proclaiming Jesus, which they didn't like. He's the son of God. Verse 21, but all who heard him were astonished. And they said, isn't this man who in Jerusalem was destroying those who called on his name? In other words, weren't these good people going to prison because of this guy? Absolutely. And he goes, I know. I mean, I'm going to carry that the rest of my life. I killed people. I put people in prison. And I'll carry that. But he said, 
He came, I came there for a purpose of taking them as prisoners, as chief priests. But Saul grew more capable, and he kept confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by proving that one, that one is the Messiah. Verse 23, after many days he passed, the Jews conspired to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul. So they were killing, excuse me, they were watching the gates by night, intending to kill him. But his disciples took him by night, and they put him in a basket. Now look at verse 26. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to associate with the disciples, the disciples, the ones that, you know, in Jerusalem. But they were not. They were afraid of him. It's like, oh, oh I heard all about this guy. He's probably a plant. He's trying to find out who the real people are that are Christians, that we can take them out and put them in prison or even kill them. And so here's the people. He's going up to Jerusalem where all the muckety-mucks up there, you know, where they all are together. And he said, you're going to be up there. He said, listen, he said, people said, no, no, you don't want to do this. They said, be careful. It's a plot. They're going to try to take you. And so here's this one guy, Barnabas, who says, you know what? I think this guy, the one we're talking about right here, I think he's the real deal. I think he really is true. I don't think he's going to try to kill us or put us in jail. And so what happens, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. And so what we sign in Barnabas is here's a guy that's willing to say, hey, I'll take a risk on him. This man has got something in his life that God has worked in his life, and I think we need to follow him and do what's going on. And we notice with this passage, Barnabas realized in, there in Antioch that there was many people who were coming to faith, many people. And it's like, what are we going to do with these people? And he said, I know a guy. I know a guy named Saul up in Tarsus. He would be a great person to work with. And so they bring him down here. And what he has, we have, we have we're here. What's the interesting thing is in this passage, in the beginning of Paul's three missionary journeys, those three journeys had such a significant impact in the early church. Because here you had the two of them, go, the three of them really, going on these churches and setting up churches all along that part of the world. And it was Barnabas, a man who's many people say, who was that guy, Barnabas? He, you know, he's not one of the things you know most about, but he's a terrific person. And so we see that in this passage. And you can see it also maybe in the map where you can see where he was traveling in those three journeys. So now looking at that idea of realizing what, the, what we just talked about, is now we've come to this section, the primary section, with chapter 2. Because he said, okay, I went up and I talked to the guys, you know, the, the, the ones they call the pillars, the ones there in Jerusalem. But he said, I went then again 14 years later. And you went, that's a long time not being with other people from that group. And so notice what he does. He said, after 14 years, I went up against Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus, Greek, along with, who was Greek also, and he said, I went up according to a revelation. That's the second time we've heard that phrase already. A revelation directly from God. He said, I didn't get it from man. Nobody wrote it from me. There was no book. All I know is God, in his mercy, helped me to understand by a revelation of what he wanted me to do. And so notice what he said. I went up according to a revelation. I presented them to the gospel to preach among the Gentiles. He said, okay, here's what we're going to do. I've spent my time working with not Jewish people predominantly, but working with the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people. And he said, okay. He said, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. He said, but notice this. I, I did it privately to those who are recognized as, quote, the leaders. So I may not be running, oh, excuse me, 
or have run the face, let me run in vain. He's saying, I went up and I know I had to talk to these guys. And he said, but I want to be careful about how I do this. It's been 14 years since I've been up there with where all the leaders are. And he said, so that I might not be running or have run in race. He says, what if I get up there and there's Peter and there's John and there's all these wonderful guys at Jerusalem. And they said, okay, here's the gospel as we understand it. How do you understand it? And what if they came up and said, uh, where did you get that from? We don't really understand. We don't take it that way. We just think we need to keep working on Judaism. And if a certain you know, guy comes in and wants to become a Jew, he can go through the process. So he's like, I would say, nervous after all these years of saying, what if we get up there and find out I've got some version of what I think the gospel is about. And they, if they're in Jerusalem, they've got their version. Said, and if we get that's the problem, we're in big trouble. Because we keep hearing, there's one gospel, not two, not six, there's one. So if I come up and say, here's my version of the gospel, and in Jerusalem, they get up there and the guy says, mm, that's not our version of it. Think about what that could happen. If suddenly they realize we have different ideas of what that means to be able to teach the gospel and to live the gospel. And so there's a lot in the line. When he says, says, listen, I'm going to do this. And so he said, I don't want to have run in vain. So I don't want to think I've been through all this and it's a waste of time. And what happens, he says, listen, here's what God is doing. As you can see this in like two questions. First question, am I, Paul, understanding the gospel correctly? And they got up there and they said, that is what, Paul, I think we're on the same page here. Question, do we have to come, here's the most important question, but now do we who are Gentiles have to come to God through Judaism? And there were many, many people at that time who would say, yes, you do. You can become a Jewish person, but you have to go through these kind of rituals, and you can do that. And he said, that's not what I understand, and that's not what I've been teaching. He said, what I understand is when we come to faith in God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and come to him, that we are brought directly into relationship with God. That is one of the most important questions that can ever be asked. Do we have to come? Do you have to become a Jew to become a person to work with that group? And he's saying, nope, it isn't. And I'm sure if I was with Paul, if I was Paul at that point, I'd be nervous. What if they said, yes, that man over there, Titus, we've been talking about, that man, Titus, wants to be a Jewish person too, and he's going to have to go through all the rituals so he can be part of us. And Paul would be the first one to say, that is absolutely wrong. We come to God by faith. That is all we need, period. We don't have to have, go through that. So those questions are significant ones, as we see in this passage, as he goes and he talks about that. But he talks about here in that passage, but even Titus, who was with me, though he was Greek, he was not compelled to be circumcised. Again, we're going to talk about this. I know you get tired of hearing the word circumcised or circumcision, but it is what this passage is about. And so notice what he said here. He said, this issue arose because of false brothers. Notice that early on in the church, already there's people that are bringing wrong things into the church. He said, the brothers smuggled who came in secretly to spy on, notice this, the phrase, the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. You, know, you don't have to go two ways through to become Jewish. You come to relationship with God by coming in faith to Jesus Christ, period. Nothing else. That's all we need. Now, of course, there'd be many Jewish people in that time that would be so furious about that. We don't believe it. That's not what we do it. 
Paul says that is exactly what we need to do. And so what he does in this passage, well, maybe, maybe a question because we've got young people here. Some people ask question, you know, why do we talk about you know, this, some of these weird things? Like, uh, what is, I'll show you a second. What does this all mean? What did Ferris Bueller think about? I mean, we would say, to say well, why is this important? You know, Ferris would say something like this. What do I care about European socialism if I don't have a car? You know, it's like, so what? And it's easy for our younger people to say, what, what, what do I care about that? What in the world would I even want to hear about that? We want to hear about it because it's God's word, for one. It reminds us again of how God works in such remarkable ways in different people. And so that's what we're seeing that he's doing right now in this passage. Turn in your Bible real quick to the first chapter of the Bible. First chapter of the Bible, Genesis chapter 15. What did I say? I'm sorry, it's not that. Okay, chapter 15. Now we're going to go 15 first, real quick. I'm just going to read the verse. Don't worry about it. Chapter 15, I'm just reading two verses. After these events, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Don't be afraid, Abram, I'll be your shield. Then he goes on, Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. This beautiful verse, okay? Go back to chapter 17, real quick. Chapter 17. Here's the one that deals with Judaism and how important it was. Chapter 17. He said, when Abram was 99 years old, that is old, the Lord appeared to me saying, I am God Almighty. Live in my presence and be, and be blameless. I will establish, notice this words, my covenant between me and you, and I'll might, multiply you greatly. And so you have the saying, here we have the covenant, which is saying, if you're going to be a Jewish guy, you're going to be circumcised. And so he says down in verse 9, God said to Abraham, as for you and your offspring after you throughout the generations to keep my covenant, this is my covenant which you're to keep between me and you and your offspring after you. You must circumcise the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. In other words, what he's saying here, and this is very important, he's saying this is the sign that you're in, that you belong to Judaism. And he's saying here, listen, he said, here's what I want you to say. And so here, now I want you to try to think of yourself as you were a Jewish person at that time and all this going through. And they said, okay, here's the deal. You're gonna, but we're going to know that you're a real person, that's a person that's following God if you're circumcised. He's talking to males, obviously. But he's saying, if you don't do that, you're not in. And generation after generation after generation, father, grandfather, great-grandfather, for them, the one thing you had to be was circumcised. If you're going to be part of God's people, you've got to be circumcised. They call it the Abrahamic covenant, and it does with that part. But it brings this whole issue up, because in the new covenant, suddenly, we've got people like Paul saying, you know what? You don't have to go through that. In the new covenant, we have freedom in Christ, and everything has changed. If you want to have some, something to eat that you didn't normally eat, you can do it now. But he's saying everything has changed because of the gospel. And so going to this passage, he said, but we didn't give up or submit to these people. These people are trying to turn them away from them so that the truth of the gospel would not be preserved by you. He said, now from those who, quote, recognize the pillars at the top in Jerusalem, 
Now, those who are recognized as important, you know what they really, what makes no difference to me, God doesn't show favoritism, they added nothing to me. In other words, when I went up there, they didn't have to say, oh, and you have to do this, and you have to do that, and you have to do this. It's like, no. We recognize we're on the same team. We're preaching the same thing. We don't have to change all of this. And so he says that didn't happen that way. Now, verse 7, on the contrary, the, the people, the joints in Jerusalem, James and the others, they saw that I'd been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, people like Titus. And he said, uh, just as Peter was for the circumcised, those that are the Jewish people. Verse 8 says, for since the one that works in Peter for the apostleship of the circumcised, so also will work with me in the Gentiles. They're basically saying, let's divide it up. You guys work with your Jewish people. That's great. You work with them. I'll work with the non-Jewish people. And so he's saying, do you see the difference? And he said, it is important. There's so many of these people that are out there that need to hear the gospel. And I know you're probably doing your work with it too, but he's saying, we may got to make it very clear. We're not saved because of this and this and this. We're saved by relationship with God through. Notice what happens. And it says here in verse 9, when James, Cephas, and John recognized as pillars, they acknowledged the grace that had been given to me. What did they do? They gave me the right hand of fellowship. We hear that phrase. We used to hear it years ago. We're going to get the right hand of fellowship. But what about if you're left-handed? Maybe you don't get to do that. I don't know. And he said, it had been given to me in right, the fellowship, and to me and Barnabas, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles and you go with the circumcised. In other words, another issue that was there has suddenly taken away. Okay, you're going to work with them, right? Yes. What about your guy? You're going to work with these guys, right? And we've got the same gospel, right? Are we okay for everybody? We are. He says, okay, then let's go. Let's go. You serve the Lord in that way. And then this little thing, just this verse, they asked that only we would remember the poor, which I made every effort to do. Notice, that's what I want. I'd love to do. We want to be caring for the poor. Whether we're working with the Jewish people, we're working with the non-Jewish people, we want to make sure we care for the poor. Jesus talked about that so much in his ministry of caring for the poor. I want you to stop for a second and think, what about when, let's say, Paul got up there with all the, you know, really the big people up there, up in Jerusalem, and what if he said, you know, I really don't think this is right. I think we just ought to forget the whole thing because I don't think the gospel really works in people's lives. I'm like, what, really? What are you talking about? Because the gospel that we have is a gospel for all, whether you're Jewish or non-Jewish, it's saying, listen, God is working in remarkable ways. We saw that last week. How could a man who was just trying to destroy Christianity suddenly become one of the greatest men that we have in Christian faith? And what a difference that makes in your life, in my life. And he says the gospel is for all. And so he says for all of us that we need this. So here, so therefore, we have this passage that we'll end with this because you know the passage so well. So, therefore, go and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe that everything that you have been commanded, commanded you. And remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus. That is that passage we're working through. 
This is a tough passage, I realize for many people it is. But what we're understanding what Paul is teaching us here in Galatians and in this chapter, it's saying, whew, thank God. And I realize, of course, God's sovereignty is all this. He can make it, but, 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 but still, there's things for us to do. And he's saying, I want you to understand. We're going to make it clear. You guys will work with them, and we'll work with them, and we're going to work together to serve God. Is that right? Yes. Then, man, let's go, and I'll, I'll be with you, and I'll encourage you, whatever you want to do. And that little passage at the end, he said, remember, I'm with you to the end of the age. What a great way to end that little section, saying, you know what? God is with us. We've already been through tough times. There'll probably be more to come. We've got a great Savior, and we have all that we need in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this passage. We realize that some of these passages are difficult, but Lord, we thank you for the way that you've changed the lives of many, and you're continuing to do that in the life of many people right here, right in Dallas, right here in our church, that, Lord, you are working your good work in our lives and for that, we give you great praise. We thank you for all that you've done and all that you're doing. Be with us, Lord, as we prepare to take the table to come to remember that all that we got, for all that we have is from you. The fact that you'd be willing to give your life that we might have life. So help us, Lord, as we continue in our worship. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.